This is your Sussex County chiropractor, Dr. Will Holdsworth from Pain Relief Chiropractic, and this podcast is titled Neck Manipulation Facts. This podcast is going to be a more advanced article, so please take your time listening to it, rewind, pause as needed, and if you have any questions, please reach out to us. You can find us anywhere on social media. Before we begin, I also want to note that in the notes for this podcast, there is an extensive amount of references that are throughout this article. So feel free to look into the references while you're listening to this podcast. In October 2016, a former model died from a stroke, and the media attributed her injury to neck manipulation. Rebuttals to this manipulation stroke claim were a combination of both offense and defense. An edited version of one such rebuttal is presented here. Earlier this year, the British Medical Journal published a study noting that medical errors in hospitals kill 251,000 Americans yearly. The upper range was 440,000. Assuming that medical error deaths outside of a hospital extend extended care facilities, nursing homes, at home, etc., results in an equal number of deaths, an estimated total number of yearly medical error deaths would be about 502,000. Some years back, the Journal of the American Medical Association published a study indicating that in the hospital, taking the correct drug for the correct diagnosis in the correct dosage resulted in death of 106,000 Americans per year. The upper range was 137,000. These are considered non-error deaths, as the drug, diagnosis, and dosage were all correct. The article notes that this number constitutes the fourth to sixth leading cause of yearly death in the United States. Again, assuming that a similar number of deaths occur from taking the correct drug in the correct dose for the correct problem outside of the hospital setting, which would be extended care facilities, nursing homes, at home, etc., the number of yearly non-error deaths from medical care would be approximately 212,000. Adding the error of deaths and the non-error deaths from medical care would totally approximate to the amount of 714,000 people yearly. Interestingly, from the Journal of the American Medical Association article, 2,216,000 Americans suffer serious adverse reactions from correctly taken drugs in the hospital yearly, but don't die. The authors defined a serious adverse reaction as one that requires a hospital stay to recover and or an event that resulted in a lifelong disability. In comparison, chiropractic is exceedingly safe. There are about 70,000 practicing chiropractors in the United States and over 10,000 in California. In a typical year, chiropractic health care results in no deaths, and when one is alleged, it tends to make headline news. There are studies comparing chiropractic to the best pain drugs for chronic neck and or back pain published in the best journals, concluding that chiropractic is better than five times more effective than drugs, that chiropractic care had zero adverse effect events, while taking these drugs had more adverse events that were benefited. One of the drugs in the study was Vioxx. Vioxx was only on the market for five years from 1999 to 2004. 
It was pulled off the market after it was realized that it was responsible for more American deaths in those five years, which is about 60,000, than the Vietnam War killed in 10 years, which was about 58,000. Another example is the regular consumption of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, also called NSAIDs, for pain relief. Researchers from Stanford's medical school published an article in the world's most prestigious medical journal, the New England Journal of Medicine, indicating that taking the prescription NSAIDs resulted in fatal gastrointestinal bleeding 16,500 times, which would be people, yearly making that the 15th leading cause of yearly death in the United States. These same drugs are linked to increased risk of Alzheimer's disease, deep vein thrombosis, end-stage renal disease, liver damage, hearing loss, atrial fibrillation, erectile dysfunction, and more. The young lady who is alleged to have died following a chiropractic adjustment is problematic on multiple fronts. The press release on her death mentions two different arteries, the carotid and the vertebral artery. Chiropractic spinal adjustment has never been linked to injury of the carotid artery. So which artery was it? It is documented that when both the professional and lay press ascribe a manipulative injury to the vertebral artery, that they apply the words chiropractic and manipulation as being synonymous. They are not. Many people manipulate, and yet they are not chiropractors. Published studies have documented neck manipulations by lay people, barbers, masseuse, hairdressers, kung fu instructors, untrained family members, etc., resulting in vertebral artery injury and attributing the injury to chiropractic manipulation when in fact it was not. Only one type of adjustment has the potential to injure the vertebral artery, and trained licensed chiropractors are taught not to perform that maneuver. A lay manipulator is not trained and hence would be associated with an increased risk of injury. Who did the manipulation in the case? Was it a chiropractor or a lay, untrained manipulator being called a chiropractor by the press? Recent studies published in the best journals have attempted to quantify the risk of vertebral artery injury as a consequence of a chiropractic neck adjustment. One such study was published this year from researchers at John Hopkins Medical School. These studies are suggesting that there is no risk. In contrast, they are suggesting that it appears that the patient is having a post-injury or spontaneous vertebral artery dissection, causing symptoms that bring them to a chiropractic office and that the chiropractic adjustment has nothing to do with it. Ironically, one study in the best medical journal suggested that being adjusted by a chiropractor actually reduces the chances of the dissection progressing to a stroke as compared to those who had similar pathophysiology and symptoms and went to a medical doctor. Importantly, that study included 109 million person years of follow-up to make their conclusions. Another study from last year with a similar conclusion evaluated about 39 million people. The point is that these are the best and biggest studies on the topic, and they are concluding that there is no risk from a properly delivered chiropractic adjustment. It is more probable that the injury that brought the young lady to the chiropractor's office was responsible for her artery injury than anything the chiropractor did to try and help her, if in fact he was a chiropractor. Even if these studies are incorrect and there is a stroke risk from a chiropractic adjustment, it is so rare 
that the incidence cannot be quantified. Good studies have suggested that risk might be one in every three million adjustments, which would mean that a typical chiropractor would have to be in clinical practice for literally hundreds of years to statistically be associated with a single such event, and the majority of chiropractors will never see such an event. Even so, modern chiropractors are trained to recognize the signs and symptoms of a spontaneous or traumatic vertebral artery dissection walking into their office and are educated that such a presentation is an emergency and the patient should be referred to the hospital emergency room. My partner has made two such referrals in the past 13 years to the amazement of the hospital personnel and a credit to her education and experience. Every incidence of driving one's car is more dangerous than seeing a chiropractor. And that concludes the entry for that rebuttal. In the first nine months of this year, which would be 2019 during the publishing of this article, three new studies from prestigious medical journals have added to the understanding and statistics of the risk of a cerv cervical artery injury, including the vertebral artery from cervical spine manipulation. They are reviewed here. The first reviewed study was published in March in the Journal of Annals of Medicine and titled A Risk-Benefit Assessment Strategy to Exclude Cervical Artery Dissection in Spinal Manual Therapy, a Comprehensive Review. The authors are from the Head and Neck Research Group, Akershus University Hospital, University of Oslo, Norway. This study has 93 references. These authors note that cervical spine mobilization and or manipulation have been suspected to be able to trigger cervical artery dissection. However, these assumptions are based on case studies which are unable to establish direct causality. The controversy relates to the chicken and the egg discussion. In essence, whether the cervical artery dissection, which would be symptoms lead, leading to the patient to seek cervical manual therapy, or whether the cervical manual therapy provoked cervical artery dissection. The authors note that the controversy is a nearly impossible causality hypothesis. The authors note that cervical artery dissection is primarily thought to occur spontaneously, but that it may also be related to physical trauma to the neck. The neck positions that are thought to be at most risk are coupling of hyperextension and rotation. The authors reiterate that cervical artery dissection is very rare and that manipulation-induced cervical artery dissection is extremely rare. They note that conducting sufficiently powered clinical manual therapy randomized controlled trials to evaluate causality is nearly impossible. Their best estimate is that cervical artery dissection may be as few as 1 per 8.1 million chiropractic office visits and 1 per 5.9 million cervical manipulation by practicing chiropractors. The authors believe that the cervical artery most vulnerable to abnormal stresses is the vertebral artery. They state, the vertebral artery is thought to be most susceptible to injury due to extreme rotary head movements, especially in the transverse foramen in the first cervical vertebrae as the verte vertebral artery abruptly transitions from a vertical path to a horizontal orientation. They also note that all people execute several different head and neck movements every day, including side-to-side -side neck rotations that consequently stretch the vertebral artery. Fortunately, this does not trigger cervical artery dissection. 
Key comments from these authors in this comprehensive review include, the lack of established causality relates to the chicken and the egg discussion. In essence, whether the cervical artery dissection symptoms lead the patient to seek cervical spinal manipulative therapy or whether the cervical spinal manipulative therapy provokes cervical artery dissection along with the non-cervical artery dissection presenting headache and or neck complaint. Note two, several extensive cohort studies and meta-analyses have found no ex excess risk of cervical artery dissection resulting in secondary ischemic stroke for chiropractic spinal manipulative therapy compared to primary care follow-up. Note three, there is no strong evidence in the literature that manual therapy provokes cervical artery dissection. Note four, the assumption that the cervical manual therapy intervention triggers cervical artery dissection in rare cases has been dominated by single case reports and retrospective case series or surveys from neurologists who naturally lack substantial methodological quality to establish definitive causality. Note five, there is no firm scientific basis for direct causality between cervical spinal manipulative therapy and cervical artery dissection. Note six, no serious adverse events were reported in a large prospective national survey conducted in the United Kingdom that assessed all adverse events in 28,807 chiropractic treatment consultations, which included 50,276 cervical spine manipulations. Manual therapists, including chiropractors, are taught to perform pre-manipulation provocative vertebral artery assessment testing in order to ensure that such manipulation is safe for the patient. However, over the last 15 years, there has been criticism of these vertebral artery tests because of an excess incidence of both false positives and false negatives. There is no sufficient evidence to support cervical vertebral artery tests to identify patients with a higher risk, and the validity and reliability of these tests are low. These authors end their study with a discussion that advises that if a patient has signs and or symptoms or other warning indications of a cervical artery vascular compromise, that it is best to refer the patient for a more detailed medical vascular evaluation. Chiropractors are so taught and concur. The second study on this topic this year was published in May in the Journal of BMJ Open, and it's titled, Effect of Cervical Manipulation on Vertebral Artery and Cerebral Hemodynamics in Patients with Chronic Neck Pain, a Crossover Randomized Control Trial. The authors are from Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College, the University of an Ontario Institute of Technology, McMaster University Faculty of Engineering, and the University of Toronto. These studies cite 67 references. This study took place in the Imaging Research Center at St. Joseph's Hospital in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. These authors aim to determine whether cervical spine manipulation is associated with meaningful change in the vertebral artery and cerebrovascular hemodynamics measured with three Tesla MRI compared with neutral neck position and maximum neck rotation in patients with neck pain. 
20 subjects aged 23 to 66 years were enrolled in the study. The cervical manipulation procedure was a supine high-velocity low-amplitude impulse with targeted contact at C1 and C2 on the side of the most discomfort as elicited on palpation. The subject's head was in combined axial rotation, flexion, and lateral flexion postures. The authors note that this is the first study to measure cerebral blood flow, vertebral artery blood flow, and velocity in patients undergoing neck manipulation for neck pain. The authors note that patients with neck pain frequently consult chiropractors and manipulation of the cervical spine is commonly performed for symptomatic relief. This, coupled with the fact that vertebral basilar artery stroke secondary to vertebral artery dissection is so rare that very little is known about the risk factors for vertebral basilar artery stroke. Key findings and comments from these authors include, note one, we found no significant changes within the cerebral hemodynamics following cervical manipulation for maximal neck rotation. Keynote two, the changes observed were found to not be clinically meaningful and suggest that cervical manipulation may not increase the risk of cerebrovascular events through a hemodynamic mechanism. Note three, when compared with neutral neck position, maximal neck rotation and cervical manipulation did not significantly alter cerebral perfusion within the posterior cerebrum or cerebellum. This is the territory supplied by the vertebral arteries. Note four, our work is the first to show that cervical manipulation does not result in brain perfusion changes compared with a neutral neck position or maximal neck rotation. Note 5. None of the participants during any of the experimental procedures reported or were observed by the investigators to have any signs or symptoms of neurological compromise. Note 6. No major adverse events were reported. Note 7. Together with previous work, our results support the position that the association between cervical manipulation and stroke is due to protopathic bias. Protopathic bias is when a treatment for the symptoms of a disease or injury appears to cause the outcome. Note 8. In conclusion, we found no significant change in blood flow in the posterior cerebrum or cerebellum in chronic neck pain participants after maximum head rotation and cervical manipulation. Note 9. Our study adds to a growing body of knowledge regarding the impact of head position and cervical manipulation on vascular and neural activity in patients with neck pain. Note 10, our study does not support the hypothesis that neck manipulation or neck rotation are associated with vasospasm of the vertebral artery. In an interesting irony, the authors suggest that their research showed that physiological head-neck rotation was more likely to alter cervical and cranial blood flow than the manipulative thrust. They note, given the changes in vertebral artery hemodynamics are more pronounced following maximal head rotation compared with cervical manipulation, specifically in contralateral flow, the changes may be the result of the head turning rather than the effect of the thrust associated with cervical manipulation. This assumption is supported by those who suggest that cervical manipulation imposes less stretch to the vertebral artery than turning the head. 
This unique study adds to the evidence that cervical manipulation is quite safe and unlikely to cause vertebral artery injury. It should be emphasized that chiropractors are trained to not deliver manipulative thrusts to C1 and C2 in maximum rotation and extension, and if cranial vascular signs or symptoms occur prior, during, or after any patient contact, that additional evaluation and perhaps referral may be in the patient's best interest. This third study on this topic this year was published in July as an EPUB in the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's titled, Effects of Head and Neck Positions on Blood Flow in the Vertebral, Internal Carotid, and Intracranial Arteries, a Systematic Review. The authors are from four colleges from the Netherlands, which would be Haynes University, University of Groningen, Rotterdam University, and Han University of Applied Sciences. There is also another school in the University of Nottingham in the United Kingdom. This study cites 59 references. This study is a systematic review of the literature that initially identified 1,453 studies and used 31 that met their inclusion criteria. In total, they used studies involving 2,254 participants. The mean age of these participants was 55 years, ranging from 18 to 98 years. The objective was to investigate the effects of craniocervical positions and movement, which would be manual therapy interventions, on hemodynamic changes, which is blood flow velocity and or volume, of cervical and craniocervical arteries, including the vertebral arteries. Blood flow was tested in multiple patient positions, supine, sitting, and prone, but for the vertebral artery, maximum rotation and combination of maximum rotation and extension were the positions tested most frequently. Manual therapy is used for management of people with head and neck pain. Manual therapy is performed utilizing various positions and movements of the craniocervical region. Cervical manual therapy interventions have rarely been associated with adverse events, but the exact incidence rates of those such adverse events are unknown. One of the most frequently claimed adverse events following cervical treatment techniques is arterial dissection, yet studies have been unable to identify specific variables which relates to the increase or mediation of risk for adverse events. A commonly described symptom of cervical artery dysfunction is neck or head pain. These patients may seek assistance from a manipulative therapist for evaluation and treatment for pain relief and improvement of function. It is plausible that a cervical artery dysfunction is not an adverse event of the treatment itself, but exists in C2 prior to treatment. Key findings and comments from these authors in this systematic review include, one, many of the studies in this review mentioned no significant hemodynamic changes during maximal rotation. Two, three studies focused on high-velocity thrust positioning and movement, all reported no hemodynamic changes. Three, the positions and movements in, utilized in high-velocity thrust and techniques do not seem to alter blood flow. Four, based on these data, it is unlikely that head and neck movement alone, even if forceful, could mechanistically explain the etiology of adverse events 
which have conventionally been purported to be related to therapeutic interventions. Five, conventional thought within the domain of manual therapy has been that rapid, forceful interventions such as high-velocity thrust techniques are considered to constitute a higher risk for neurovascular events resulting from cervical artery compromise. However, we found that studies which focus specifically on high-velocity thrust reported no hemodynamic changes. 6. The synthesized data suggests that in the majority of people, most positions and movements of the craniocervical region do not have an effect on blood flow. 7. The data synthesized from 31 experimental and quasi-experimental studies suggests that in most people, craniocervical positions and movements had no effect on blood flow. 8. A clinical implication from this review is that the relationship between craniocervical movement and alterations in blood flow does not seem to be as obvious as previous data suggested. 9. This study suggests that adverse events related to cervical spine interventions might be the result of something other than the therapeutic positioning or movement of the head and neck. 10. Conclusion. Our results suggest that in most people, healthy as well as patients with vascular pathologies, craniocervical positions do not alter cervical blood flow. This includes vascular test positions, pre-manipulative positions, and manipulations. 11. A key clinical implication from this review is that the relationship between craniocervical movement and blood flow does not seem to be as previously suggested. These authors also point out that pre-manipulative vascular integrity tests, which would be functional positional tests, are unable to establish a relationship between vertebral artery blood flow changes and symptom reproduction. Therefore, the rationale and value of these tests should be questioned. These authors end their study with a discussion claiming that there may be a small subgroups of the population with underlying arterial pathology where the small hemodynamic changes may be sufficient to induce or exacerbate a neurovascular compromise. They suggest that it might be wise to initially use treatment techniques with less than 45 degrees of cervical rotation. Taken together, these studies support these points. One, cervical spine vascular accidents occur spontaneously. Linking cervical vascular accidents to cervical manipulation may be non-existent at best and at worst overstated in prior publications. Two, cervical spine vascular accidents occur so rarely that it is essentially impossible to study their occurrence and mechanisms. Three, the available evidence indicates that the cervical adjusting specific manipulation is extremely safe, especially in the hands of trained professionals like chiropractors. Four, some patients may have elevated risk factors for cervical spine vascular injury, and these risk factors are essentially impossible to ascertain. 5. Patients who are suffering from cervical artery compromise often present to chiropractic offices for treatment. 6. Pre-manipulation positional cervical artery testing is probably not valid. 7. It may be prudent to not rotate the head and neck in excess of 45 degrees when initially manipulating the cervical spine. 8. It is probably ill-advised to combine C1-C2 rotation extension thrust manipulation. So I hope you were able to get through this podcast, and if you had any questions, you were able to pause and look stuff up. 
there are an extensive amount of references, as I mentioned before, in the notes. So go ahead and look up the references and validate everything that I'm talking about here. But thank you so much for listening. This is your Sussex County Chiropractor, Dr. Will Holdsworth from Pain Relief Chiropractic.